0: All right, New Year's Eve and all of that. We're in our series called Making Change, and uh, making change is, uh, we're talking about four things. Everybody repeat it for me. Someone say less is more. Less is more. Someone say stress is, bad. stress is bad. Someone say giving is good. Giving is good. And someone say tomorrow matters. tomorrow matters. We're talking about resources. I said this last week. My goal, I'm not buying a jet, so I'm not doing this series to go buy a jet. Um, I, I'm not getting another suit or making you give an extra offering for a robe. I want us to reframe our thinking about money. I want us to reframe our thinking about generosity. And I want to give some theology to generosity. Um, so last week we talked about less is more. and We talked about the entire goal of the gospel is for us to have more in Jesus. And our issue is that we buy more stuff. And the more stuff we get, we want more, 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 and more. Thinking that more is going to give us a deeper relationship. But really, Jesus' desire is supposed to have a life and life abundantly. And may that life not be blocked by your finances. So this week, we're going to engage with a statement called stress is bad. And uh, we're going to jump into our Bible. I want you to keep it uh, uh, open with us to, to follow along. There's a bunch of scriptures I want to show you because um, I'm not trying to prove anything. I just want to remind you of a couple of things. But I then also want you to pray over and deepen your strength with the wisdom of God when it comes to your personal finances. So last week, I wanted to give a bigger picture of finances. This week, I want you to bring your money to church. And as we engage with giving is good, giving is good then talks about what we're going to give to God. But today I want to talk about how stress is bad. here's my big thesis. Financial stress is a bad thing. I'm going to say it again. I don't say it again. Financial stress is a bad thing. Um, so I then decided to prove this to you. I went to the number one search engine for Gen Z, which was? TikTok, and I put stress is bad about finances in TikTok, and let me show you what the world says about financial stress being bad. Go ahead, there's a video that's going to play. What are people affording life right now? We're not babes. It's all an illusion. I just got a parking ticket for expired tabs from three months ago, but I still bought crumble cookies today. They're not. People aren't paying bills. We're and bay, Rosie. And at this point with the American economy, we're not ashamed anymore. Not living is literally the only reason that my little family and I are- Credit not. cards and side hustles. Really random. Have you been to Popeyes lately? Because I wanna know, when did a family box of chicken become the same price as rent? How are people affording life right now? Two incomes from two people plus two jobs from each person, a firm, Klarna, door dashing, earning, personal loans, payday. Lo- if you want to be honest people really aren't. Um, I am a nurse and I make over like a little over $30 an hour and thankfully I'm able to afford to pay my bills barely but really, if I quote unquote budget, like everybody is saying that you need to budget, which I think you should stop telling people, oh, budgeting is going to fix the issue. No, everything is high in the cost of living. It's continuously going up and our pay isn't going up. Um, and as someone who is a nurse and works in healthcare, we don't get paid our worth. And so you're constantly like having to sacrifice and figure out what things you're going to pay. Thankfully, I can pay my necessity. Girl, a Ford is not even on the catalog. People losing their cars. I was one. Living paycheck to paycheck. I'm a part of that. Working at jobs that don't pay enough. Having to use their credit card to pay for everything. Using public transportation. So girl, I guess we just living moment by moment, second by second. It's they're in debt. The majority of people are in debt. Mortgage underwriter here for the past 17 years, and I review people's income, assets, and credit. Uh, The amount of debt load that people carry is very high. Um, Also, another thing is, please note that sometimes people who look like they are the wealthiest and have the most uh, material things, boats, expensive vacation, luxury, Everything are the people that are in the most amount of debt and on the brink of losing it all or bankruptcy and Bad right stress is and this is the world we live in we're in the middle So I was praying about this a couple of months ago when God first told me to preach this series And I was sitting here like now God you in the middle of a global recession Inflation at an all-time high you want me to talk about money And I believe there's two reasons. Number one, I want to remind us of what God really thinks about our resources. And then two, I want to prepare us for life after this season. Financial stress is a bad thing, but none of this is a surprise to God. And so we get into this. I have never heard anybody my entire life say these words. Ever since I got into debt, my marriage has been better. I don't know. I've never heard this. Back before we had payments, we fought all the time. But now that we have payments, we never fight because debt. You know, high rates mean hot love, right? I mean, that's what it is, right? I, I've never heard someone say that massively high interest rate on my credit card improved my love life. But I have heard every night when I go to, I've never heard anyone say every night I go to bed, I thank God for my debt. I praise him. I never heard anyone say, every, I used to not have any debt, but now I thank God I pay everyone payments everywhere I go. I love high interest rates. I have heard people say, I wish I could give more to people who are in need. I have heard people say, I've said it myself, we're just not able to do that right now. I have heard, I wish one of us could spend more time with the kids, but I had to pick another job. I have heard financers are causing us to fight all the time. Because my thesis, financial stress is a bad thing. And one of the things I want to remind you of in our lives is that we are to be free in Jesus in every area of our lives. To share the love of Christ, the passion of Christ for us, the passion that we have for Jesus so that nothing will ever stop us seeing God at work. And one of the things that ruins relationships, friendships, churches, everything, is financial stress. I mean, think about it. You go out to eat with all your friends, who's going to pay for lunch? Do we got to go to the place? Do they group the checks together? Are we doing this individually? Who ordered way more food than we said we're going to order? And it ruins friendships. You got to eat, who's going to pay for this? And now we got this whole thing about marriages and this 50/50 thing and going, out, who's paying for this? Did we pay ahead? Do we going to steal the? Ch- I mean, all this, And we sit here and we're stressed out about a couple of dollars. And what was designed by God, what was designed to this system that the world then took and convoluted, that we simply have resources to glorify him, has now become something that leads us to counseling, to leave a spouse, to lose friends, to leave a church, all over a dollar. And I think we have to change our story about money so we can change the story about our future. Your money assists you into living into the things that God calls you to and gives you grace to produce. Everybody go to Galatians chapter 5. You can keep your seats. We're going to bounce around our Bibles. Galatians 5. And in Scripture, Paul was challenging the church of Galatians to be free from rules and regulations of the world by leaning into the freedom of Jesus. They had used the bondage of rules, the bondage of the world, in this case, the rules around circumcision, to decide who, or was, who was or was not welcome into the family of God. Paul comes along and challenges them, and I believe he challenges us. Let's start at verse number 1. Look at what Paul says. If you don't have this verse underlined, I want you to underline it. I want you to highlight it. Paul says this, Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom. Do you see that? It is for freedom that Jesus Christ has set us free. So stand firm in that freedom and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Jump down to verse number 13. So what is that freedom for and doing? Look at verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Someone say Free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So what do you do? Verse 16. So walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in constant conflict with one another, so you do not do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom but the fruit of the spirit is love complete contrast joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control that doesn't just apply to your worship that applies to your money and against those things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires and since we live by the spirit let's walk in step with the spirit Do not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. So your money can be used to keep you in bondage, or your money can be used to assist you into the freedom of Jesus Christ. Money is not a tool to drive you away from Jesus. Money is a tool that can be used to show off the Lord Jesus. The question becomes, what do you spend more of your money on? I want you to look at the scriptures. Look at the acts of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. When you look at the fruit acts of the flesh, do you spend more money on the acts of the flesh, verse 19 through 21? Or do you spend your money more on verses 22 and 23, the fruits of the spirit? I don't have to sit here and I'm not beating anyone over the head. I want you to look at, when you look at your budget, when you look at how you spend your money, are you spending more resources on witchcraft, idolatry, hatred, discord, and no, you're not sitting here like, I am not throwing no sage and I'm not doing, no, but you, have, you gossip about people at lunch You tear apart people at your job. You spend money on going out to eat. You got got parties just to tear people down. That's the same thing within the acts of the flesh. There is nothing that Jesus is going to get from our selfish ambition. Do you spend money on love, joy, peace, and patience, and gentleness and self-control? Your credit cards, are the bills ran up on your selfish ambition? Or are you safe because you are controlling that? That's what I want you to think about. When you think about your conversations about money, what emotions come out when you think about money? Even right now, as we're getting into the series, what emotions, what faces, what thoughts came to your mind when it came to money? Are you attempting to walk by the Spirit when it comes to money, or are you looking for something in these sermons to fight about? This is what I want us to understand. This is where Satan continues to win when it comes to our resources. So we then say tithe, and we immediately think of one random person as an excuse to not give God our best. How sad is that? We have all these fruits of the spirit to show Jesus off, and immediately when we talk about tithing, we can just sit there, Jim Jones, no, what in the world? This is a difficult topic to talk about because when we begin to think about the mistakes we've made with money, how better someone else is because we assume they have more money, there's prices and feelings and embarrassment, insecurity, helplessness, hopelessness. Here's what I want to make really clear. God didn't give you money to guide your life. He's the leader. say that again. God did not give you money to guide your life. He's a leader. God did not give you money to be insecure, hopeless, helpless, embarrassed, or overwhelmed. You applied for the job that you have. Why do you hate it all of a sudden? Because somebody else got a different job than you did. God didn't give you that job or those resources to be insecure, hopeless, helpless, embarrassed, overwhelmed. God gave us these resources to build this kingdom, to understand the fruits of the Spirit, and in the end, your life is to glorify God, Colossians chapter 2. And I wanna change your conversations about money, that your lifestyle is guided by the Spirit to yield fruitfulness in every area of your life. And it's not just something I want for you, it's something God wants for you. Your workplace is a place of worship. Your workplace is a place of worship. God positioned you where you prayed for God to position you to show Jesus off And then we started purchasing outfits and we need this and we need that at our jobs because now the flesh begins to creep in and it now overwhelms us from seeing the blessing of our resources to impress people who don't care. So until you confront a thing, you won't control a thing. My challenge to you is confront the real root of your story as it relates to money, whether that's pride, stress, privilege, whatever it is. Like where does and how does money stress you out? I want you to be honest with yourself because if you're not honest with yourself, you're lying to yourself. How does money or why does money stress you out? Why does money or how does money give you joy? Like, what moment with your money made you feel prideful? Like, I want you to think about it. What moment with your money made you feel like mm-hmm, your pride came up? Because I want to remind you, pride goes before the fall. What emotions come up for you as it comes to money? And when it comes to giving in church, do you get excited or do you get frustrated? Does our does tithing covenant irritate you? Like, ugh, I'm not a giver. Ugh, I don't want to be a cheerful Like, does it irritate you, or does it make you excited? I'm a cheerful giver. Why? Here's why I say that. You can't adequately pray about something if you will not vocalize it, and it's time for us to think that we can keep things hidden from God. I want you to bring your money to Jesus and take every thought that allows you to think that God can't do anything with it, to take it captive And make it obey Christ so that you will yield fruit. Go to Proverbs 22. I want you to see this. Go to Proverbs 22, verse number 7. Proverbs 22 and verse number 7. If you're in the Bible app, those of you watching online, the link is in the comments. And the Bible app will allow you to walk through the entire sermon with us. We have three points we're going to get to. Proverbs 22 says this, verse number 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. The word for the poor is written in plural. The rich is written in singular. The few rich rule the poor. And then the borrower is a slave to the lender. Literally, the borrower, we talked about this last week, is in bondage. When we owe, we are in bondage to the one that we owe. When you have mountains of credit card debts and student loans and medical bills and court costs and parking tickets, the writer is telling us the person who then owns you is not God, it's your lender and we become some servant to paying these things, without wisdom, we'll never become free. Let me tell you this. Christ did not die for you to be free from some things. He died for you to be free from all things. I'm going to back that up again. Christ didn't die for you to be free from some things. He died for you to be free from all things. I don't want any of you to be in bondage to anyone. Matter of fact, we're going to get to this in Romans. Matter of fact, I'll show you this. Now, everybody go take your Bibles and go to the book of Romans chapter 13. I want you to see this, Romans 13. I want you to see the only place that we owe, the only thing that we owe. I want you to see this in Romans 13, verse number 8. Let me show you the scripture, Romans 13, verse number 8. In your Bibles, and it says these words. I want you to underline this. Let no debt remain outstanding except the debt to love one another. Is that in your Bibles? Oh, I'm to make sure I'm making this up, right? So if I'm gonna be in debt to anything, let no debt remain outstanding, except the debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Do you see this in your Bibles? So what God is showing us in this, and we're talking about stress being bad, that we have some responsibilities, and that is to love our neighbors as ourselves, but we're not to be in bondage. And I believe with God in all of my heart that God wants something better for his kids Than financial bondage and if the practical side of this doesn't motivate you for those of you who are Jesus followers here's the spiritual side Luke 16 and 10 Jesus says this whoever can be trusted with a little can be trusted with a bunch whoever's dishonest with a little will be dishonest with much if you're faithful with the little you have God will trust you with much That's living with integrity in what God has given you in a way where you worship, serve, and honor and praise God. So if the practical side doesn't get you of what it means to be debt free, then let the spiritual side show you that for faith with a little, God will trust you with so much more. Is your heart aligned to God in every area of your life? Like, is it really aligned to God? Or are you aligned to God that God's going to set you free to heal your body? God's going to set you free to do something with your marriage. But then finances, God, I, I got finances. You don't know how to handle it. You don't understand tr- trumped up, trickle down economics. You don't understand Reaganomics. You don't understand capitalism. God, have you really brought your finances to Jesus? I want to take a prayerful approach. I want to take a prayerful approach here because too often I'm approached as a pastor and and oftentimes I get the we're down to the last dime in our finances or we can't do this or we're too often we're praying over our finances in the middle of a serious storm. So loss of a job, loss of a lot of money, a financial storm. I want to challenge you to think about the debt in your life now, to pray over and through your debt now, for God to shift your mind about generosity now. Because here's going to be terrible grammar, but let me give you this sentence. I want to pray. I want you to pray about it when you can, so you don't have to need to pray about it. Think about your debt. I want you to think about where you are in debt. I want you to write down on a sheet of paper, or put it in your phone, or in the notes. Everybody, I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to write down approximately how much debt do you have. No matter how large it is, I ain't looking at it. This ain't no. This is this. I ain't teaching. I'm not in class, so I'm not looking at your notes. How much debt do you have? I know you may feel embarrassed, but it's just you and you right now. Do you see that number? All right, everyone repeat after me. Say, God can handle that. Okay. Remember, a mustard seed of faith moves mountains. Not a mountain of faith moves seeds. I want you to look at that number again. I want you to look at that number again. Everybody, I want you to pull that number up. I want you to see it. The reason I want you to write it, I don't want you to think it. I want you to see it. Text it to yourself. I don't care what it is. Whatever that number is, I want you to look at it. And everyone repeat after me, say, God can handle that. Whether you have a Mount Rushmore of debt, a Mount Everest of debt, whether you have a Russian River mountain of debt, everyone repeat after me again, God can handle that. I want to give you three prayers to move the mountain of debt. This is not overnight, but it's mindful, intentional change. Rome wasn't built in a day, but it was built. It can be destroyed in a day, but it won't be built in one. Here's the first prayer I want to give you. Everyone repeat after me, say, God, God, give me me self-control. Do y'all know what y'all just prayed? Ooh, that should have made you... Give me, you know, I love reading. My goal this year, I'm going to hit about 70 books this year. I I love reading. I literally, you catch me in between services. I'm somewhere reading. I love books and engaging with books and. Um, my wife makes fun of me because I have a book quota. We have a budget for our family, and the budget for our family is I can buy up to a $25 book once a week for four a month, right? And so that's our budget. So it's amazing, like I've said to my wife's like, you have an addiction. She's like, I'm like, what? She's like, you're addicted to books. I'm like, I love knowledge. She's like, oh my God, I want knowledge, right? And all this, I love reading. And so um, you think it's funny, but it's not like, I literally, I looked at my office the other day, and I was like, I can't believe I read it. Like, I love reading and soaking in novels and all that. So the other week, there was this book called called Digital Body Language, and I saw it on one of my professor's desks. and I was like, I gotta have that book. I really gotta have that book, but I already had met my quota for the week, right? So I waited literally. I stayed up late. My wife was like, why are you up so late? I waited until midnight of the night. I'm so serious, and bought Digital Body Language immediately. Came in. My wife was like, what are you doing? It was 12.01. I said, it's the next week. It's the next week. It's Sunday, the next week. I said, it's a new week, it's a Sabbath, I can get a new book, got a book. And then you know what I saw on on Thursday? There's this book called The Courage to be Happy, came out, and I was so excited, and my wife was like, you gotta wait, so I'm sitting here, and I'm like going crazy, because I just really want a book, and she was like, Justin, you need to control yourself. Have you finished the other book? Yes, I finished it, and I can't wait to read it. She's like, so give me a summary. So I literally wrote my wife like a two-page research paper to prove to her that I read the book, because on our budget, I can't get it to the next week, and I'm sitting here, She was like, you need some self-control, but I did get Courage to be Happy. It's a great book, right? So what are some, I waited until 1201, all right? So what are some areas in your life where you lack financial self-control, where you won't wait until 1201? And trust me, that has been, we are married for seven and a half years, that has been a seven and a half year problem for me. I'm just getting around to waiting to get another book. What areas do you lack financial self-control? Let me show you this in scripture. Go to Proverbs 25, verse number 28. Proverbs 25, verse number 28. I want you to see this, what the scriptures say about self-control. I want you to underline this, and this is why I want you to see this. Proverbs 25, verse number 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Do you see this? Living without control is living without the leadership of God. We've talked about revelation and you guys saw all those cities who were torn down. That's what some of our lives look like when we don't have self-control. It's like a little kid. I want it now. I want it now. And what happens without control is junk. See, you have homes and lives that are full of junk's and trinkets and extra stuff, and we've dressed it up in our world. We call it it was clearance shopping. It was retail therapy but it was consignment. I went, you know, I, I got a deal on it. What? But it was a lot of junk. Buying an extra pair of items here, extra coffee here, extra piece of jewelry here, another ticket here, impressing more people here, another trip here, impressing more people over there, and all that's left is a person, the person left with the bill is you. The person who's working overtime, you. The person looking for more hours, Did that shirt at Macy's really need you to work three more hours? You had to have it. I had to get my feet done. Like, you had to do it. Someone say, God, give me self-control. Because here's why. Praying for self-control allows you to have the vision for your life and financial future. When you're asking God for self-control, you are asking God to take control. Allow me to see my purchases the way that you see my purchases. Because here's the principle. I want you to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. My grandma used to put it like this. She said, easy now, hard later. Hard now, easy later. Say it again. Easy now, hard later. Hard now, easy later. Like, do you really need to golf three times a week? Y'all got real quiet. Do you really, and I'm talking to myself right now, do you really need the newest tech gadget? Meta just came out with glasses and I want them so bad, but do you really need it? Do you really need four cups of $5 coffee every day? I'm coming for every one of your idols. Does your five-year-old need a phone? Like seriously? They can't even read and they got a cell phone. What in the world? Do you really need a new car that'll depreciate 20% the moment you drive it off the lot? Mm-hmm. I want you to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. You don't need the lottery to pay your debt and you don't need someone to die to pay your debt off. You just simply need self-control and, I guarantee, and discipline and I guarantee you'll see the resources, what's already around you. Number two... Here's the second prayer I want to give you. hope you all are still with me. I hope this is helping you. I know I'm not hollering and screaming, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to help. Number two, everyone say this to me. Say, God, God, give me, me. understanding. Understand. Everybody go to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. God, give me understanding. I want to remind you in the comments as well on our church website, I have given, there's blogs that come out every Tuesday and Thursday, and I have about 20 different resources on a get out of, I have a get out of debt free kit that I put on our church website, absolutely for free to all of you. You click on connect and blog, it is right there. You have a financial uh, resources kit, how to pray over your finances. I've given you links to the top people across the country. If If you're serious about this, we wanna help you be well financially and give your finances to Jesus. So it's on our website, and I'm gonna show you what one of these looks like in a second so you can see we're not making it up. Hosea chapter four, verse number six, look at this. My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I've rejected you as my priest. Do you see this? My people are destroyed because they reject knowledge. And if you reject it, God rejects us. So let's talk about what's really going on with finances. But let me give you this first. God has anointed, we talk about the man of God, the woman of God. He's anointed people to talk about him in these spaces. This is my job, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, yes. Let me tell you who else he's anointed. He's anointed a financial advisor who has a keen ability to understand money have you prayed about who to talk to or did you just talk to your cousin cuz someone so said they got this God has anointed the hands of your insurance agents pray about who to talk to before you make a purchase I want you to go into that purchase with knowledge and with wisdom, here's a couple of the questions I want you to ask yourself. And I'm about to get real practical. Now, this is let me say this very clearly: this is not Pastor Justin talking. This is Dr. Lester about to talk right now. And I just want to get real, real down to this. Three questions: How much is due down? How much are you going to pay a month? And what is the real cost when you make a purchase? Because we can talk about Klarna, we can talk about a firm, we can talk about layaway. There is a real cost that associated. Nothing in this world is free. So say no today so you can say yes tomorrow. So here's the things I want you to see before that purchase, gonna come up on the screen, before that purchase, the average American household right now has $103,000 in debt, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. That includes mortgages, car loans, credit cards, student loans. The average American household, and that means half of us have more, half of us have less. But the average is, like two years ago, was $138,000, and this is as of the second quarter this year, $103,000 in debt. The average debt payment is 9.8% of one's income. So I get the understanding and the difficulty. We talk about tithing when your debt is about 10% of your income monthly. The average credit card interest rate is around 18%, and that's at the second quarter of this year. So let me give you this. If you spend $1,000 on a credit card, With an 18% interest rate, you'll end up paying, if you pay it, you go aggressively at it, about $1,180 by the time you pay it off. You're literally giving them money. If you pay $250 a month per per month at at $16,000, so you buy a car, I don't know what car, $16,000, but I just put a number, $16,000. It'll take you approximately five years to pay it off, and you will pay $19,461 total after you already lost 20% the moment you purchased it the average revolving credit card balance or revolving credit card balance is one that persists between payments in other words it's what you pay interest on it's one of the most important figures when you look at your credit card debt the average revolving credit card balance is $6,365 and that's as of the second quarter of this year and that is up from $5,699 in 2022 we're carrying debt let me give you this too about generations gen x carries the highest credit card balance at $8,870, whereas Gen Z, now these kids are in college and just coming out of college, have the lowest credit card balance, but they still have a balance of $3,184. We're in debt. But let me give you this. If you take those same numbers and you talk about investing and being wise, and I'm not selling you anything, I just want to give you numbers If you invest $16,000 at a 12% interest rate over 40 years, you'll end up with about 1.4 million. That's simply letting your money grow through smart investments. You can turn a small investment to a large sum of money. Let me give you the same for crypto. If you invest $1,000 in Bitcoin with an average 5% increase on average, it's volatile. In a a couple of years, you'll see $32,000. In five years, you'll see about 10. Now this assumes you're taking your investments and not cashing them in prematurely, but the way we grow wealth is patience. I can get up here and yell and scream at you about like give, 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 do this, do this, don't, 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 don't. No, I want you to be wise with your money. God, give me understanding. How can I take care of my money well? This assumes we're not spending needlessly. I'm not telling you to go broke. I'm not telling you to stop living. I'm not telling you to sell everything like John the Baptist and live on locusts and honey. What I am saying is God, give me understanding with my money because your money doesn't control you. You control your money. But what happens is we let our lack cause us to lust. And lust is not sexual, lust is just carnal desires. So we cause our lack to make us lust. I want you to let your lack force you to lean into your desires. What are the things you actually value? Like what are your solid four, like I want you to consider in your life, what are your four pillars that solidify your life? That if you were holding up the foundation of your life, what are the four pillars that hold up your foundation? Allow your money to pour into your pillars, but don't allow your lack to cause you to lust are you pouring into what's keeping you solid what's important to you i can give you some suggestions we have some the faith family fitness and finances are you looking are you looking at how you're keeping your pillars for me, I have, I'm, For me, my disciplines are discipline and knowledge and consistency and passion and everything I do has to ask the question, is it going to keep my family, my life stable? If not, it doesn't deserve it. And the same way we talk about no is a complete sentence when it comes to relationships and we you know, feel like hanging out with people, no is a complete sentence to you when you think you need to buy everything you see. I wish I had somebody. No is a complete sentence to you when you think you need that, when really it's a want and not a need. So maybe this is not about understanding money, it's about understanding you. When you know what matters to you and you know what motivates you, you'll spend your money differently. It's amazing the things that we give names to, to like console our comfort with debt. Like, it's a cheat day. This new age, it's a treat day. I'm just treating myself. It's retail fit. And let me give you this. Say no today to say yes tomorrow. Say no to getting your hair, your nails, everything done today, to owning that place tomorrow. Oh, you don't want to talk about that, did you? Because No, 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 because you're an entrepreneur inside of you, and you get woken up. Every time you walk in there, you have vision for that whole place, and you're tired of seeing people that don't look like you do your nails and do your feet because you know how to do it. So what if you said no today and saved every time you wanted to say yes so you could own the place you keep complaining about tomorrow? Oh yeah, Black Wall Street happened because some people said no and then said yes. And we can bring it back again when we learn to say no to something so we can say yes to something bigger. You don't need to live paycheck to paycheck. Oh my God, is that like not something we should be excited about? I don't, oh my God. I don't, okay. I, I want you to say no to frustration today so you can say yes to smiling about your finances tomorrow. God, give me, I know this is real uncomfortable and weird because I'm sure you want to be upset about this, but I want to try to pour into you. I want you to have understanding over your resources so your resources don't dictate your life. God, give me self control. God, give me understanding. And thirdly and finally, here's the last principle. As a matter of fact, Steve, throw it up on the screen. There's a picture, and I, I put a budget sheet together, and it's on our website. I want you guys to see what this looks like. So I'm being so serious about this, um, about how to eliminate your debt, how to work through it. And there's a picture. I want you to see what it looks like. It's on our website. You click on connect. You click on blog, and you'll see what this looks like. And what, I want it, what it is is it breaks down your entire month. It breaks down all your expenses for you. So it's not me doing it. On the last week of the series, I'm going to have some people that are are going to help walk through all of this, but I want to be very as practical as possible in terms of how to get understanding about your money so you can see where your money is going, you can see how you're spending your resources um, once it comes up on the screen so that we can have understanding about yourself and your spending habits and what you like and what you don't like. and that's what it looks like. So this is it. So you see, fuck, your income, your salary, your dividends, where your tithing is going, where your taxes are. It's amazing that the government don't even trust us. So they just take the taxes out right at the top. Isn't that amazing? Um, so monthly living expenses, everything down there, transportation, food. This is all on our website. You click on Frenchvillea.org, connect and blog. I want you to enjoy your life. I'm going to give you a principle in a second. I want you to purchase things. I want you to take care of your body and your mind. But also, also, and then also I want I want you to pay your bills off. and so this is me as a pastor saying here, I want us to be wise with our money and give and let God give you understanding. So God give me self-control, God give me understanding And thirdly and finally, everyone repeat up to me, say, God, God give me, give me a, plan. a plan. Go to Proverbs 21. everybody go to Proverbs 21. you're going to see this last thing. Here's the last principle I'm going to teach, uh, teach us today. you can wander into debt but you won't wander out of debt. You can wander into it, but you won't wander out of it. Proverbs 21, look at verse number five. I want you to underline this, and this is what I want you to pray over when it comes to your planning, when it comes to your resources. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, and as surely haste leads to poverty. The plans lead to profit haste leads to poverty let me give you this principle when it comes to generosity i have my whole life i've taught the 80 10 10 rule and all of that let me give you this to avoid overspending i'm gonna give you this one the 50 20 20 10 rule 50 20 20 10 50 20 20 10. um i want you to try to look when you look at your budget and you get to building it so you're made if you're there great if you're not work towards it my challenge is 50 percent of your income towards necessities, like rent, utilities, groceries, the things you need, there's certain things we need to live. But I want you to take 50% of your income um, and uh, allocate 50% of it towards necessities. I want you to take 20% and put it towards discretionary spending, like entertainment and hobbies. Enjoy your life. Put 20% towards saving and debt repayment. So I want you to save, and then also, if 10% on average is about how much our debt is in our lives, then also we should pay our debt monthly if that's what we're dealing with as well. So 50, 20, 20, and then 10% goes back to God. Amen, somebody. Say this again. And 10% goes back to God in tithing. Amen, somebody. Because let me give you this. The freedom we're talking about, the entry is trusting God through our resources. If you don't trust God to give to God, all this favor and grace we're talking about with finances... It comes on the other side of trust. I'm going to say it again. It comes on the other side of trust. So if you don't trust God with your resources, we can talk about favor and grace and all that type of stuff. It's not going to happen, and that's just biblical. That's just biblical. On the other side of trust is abundance. On the other side of trust is favor. So if you don't trust God with it, all this stuff I'm talking about is really good, but it's not going to happen because your trust in God isn't there. It's on the other side of trust. And that's not popular, but it's true. It's right, but it's tight. And let me show you what happens when you trust the plans of God. My last scripture I want you to see, we read this all the time. Go to Jeremiah 29. Go to Jeremiah 29. I want you to see this. We talk about the plans of God and do God's plans work out? Does trusting God work? Does tithing to God work? Does all, should I be a person who saves and pays my debt off and trusts God with my resources? Let me show you one of the often most read plans in scripture. Because if you, you can wander into debt, but you don't wander out of debt. Like you can wander into sin, but you need, oh my God, I wish I had somebody. You don't wander out of it. Um, I, oh, my God. Okay. I'll get real quiet because I talked about tithing. Come on, keep talking. I'm up here still. We're still talking. Don't get weird because there's favor when you give unto God and trust God with your resources. And here's a plan I'm going to show you in Scripture that blesses all of us. We read Jeremiah 29, and it's this massive plan to God. Look at this. Look at what verse 4 says of Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord Almighty God says to those who I carried from exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what you produce. Marry, have sons and daughters, Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters into marriage so you too may have sons and daughters. Increase, don't decrease. And seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because it prospers, you will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty God says. Do not let these prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams and that encourage you. You to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Verse 11. find all the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper, taught you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me. You will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I'll be found by you, says the Lord. I'll bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places from I banish you, declares the Lord, and bring you back to the place which I carried you into exile. Isn't that amazing? Jeremiah lays out the plan, but here's what he's saying. This is what God is saying. Um, He's telling them what's going to happen, and I I hate reading this at graduations because like Jeremiah 29, like, oh my God, God knows the plans he has for me. He's saying literally, y'all going to be good in 70 years. You're going to go into exile. And you're going to have a hard 70 years. But on the other side, it's going to be good. So when we read this, I'm like, it's a promise of, like, great abundance after a long period of exile. So it's a beautiful text. But that's the plan. That's the plan. God says, this is what is going to happen. And then go to Ezra chapter 1. God says, this is the plan. This is the plan. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you this. You pray to me, listen to me. You'll seek me. You'll find me with your heart. I'm going to bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from places that have banished you. I'll bring you back from carry to exile. And then Ezra chapter 1, look at what Ezra chapter 1 says. That was the plan. Ezra chapter 1, in the year of the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Do you see this? What did the Lord do? He moved the heart of the king. I want to pause before I even get to the word of the Lord. The king was not planning to do anything different, but God, into this is favor, God came into the king's heart, moved his heart, and he wrote the following proclamation. This is what the Lord, the God of heaven has given me, all the kingdoms of the earth. He's appointed me to build the temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Isn't that what he said in Jeremiah? And any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and God will be with them. That's what he said in Jeremiah. Any place where survivors may be living, the people are there to provide, you give them silver and gold with goods and livestock, free will offerings for the temple, God in Jerusalem. Because when God has a plan, he's going to make sure that plan comes to pass. When God has a plan, the plan is going to come to pass. So, church, you have a plan because God has a plan. And the plans that God has are always going to be good for his children when you trust him. So I want you to write a plan because God has a plan. And I know this doesn't sound popular, but it's amazing. If I were to talk about healing and breakthrough and marriages, we'd be foaming at the mouth. I want you to think about your money. God has a plan, so trust his plan. I know it could be overwhelming. I know you're concerned for some of you looking at the mountains of debt in front of you. You're feeling like, Pastor Justin, like, I have exile. It feels like I have to go in exile. I have to cut out things I like to do. But when you get to paying your debt off, you have a plan. So maybe your prayer is, God, reveal to me your plan. No, God, reveal to me your plan. Cause let me show you what he does. First Samuel 2 and 7. Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and exalts. You see this? First Samuel 2 and 7. God gives poverty and God gives wealth. That's that, that's the scripture. He humbles and he exalts. That doesn't get you. Second Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich for our sake, he became poor so that through his poverty you'll become rich. That doesn't get you. Third John 1 and 2, dear friend, I pray that you enjoy good health. All will go well for you even as your soul gets along well. That doesn't excite us. Galatians 6 and 9, let us not become weary in well-doing for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. That doesn't get us. Luke 6 and 38, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and will be poured into your lap with a measure of its use will be measured for you. That doesn't excite us. Here's what excites me. Bring the whole time to the storehouse and there will always be food in my house and I will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't receive. That doesn't get us. Romans 13 and 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the debt to love one another because whoever loves one another that fulfills the law. God has a plan for your money. Rejoice that God is not going to let you die. God is not going to let your family fall apart because God has a plan, so trust his plan. Do you trust that God has a plan? If he can do it for the people of Israel in exile, I think he can do it for you too. If he can do it for the people who were suffering, I think he can do it for you too. Have you submitted your finances to Jesus? So last week, I wanted you to see less is more. This week, I want you to see God did not grace us with jobs and resources to be stressed out. And a way we keep stress away from us, we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, because giving is a good thing. So I want to challenge you personally. I want you to think about emergency funds in your life. I want you to consider saving, I think, one, one and a half times your salary overall for three months. So you have at least a three-month buffer. So one, if God says quit, you don't say no. You're like, cool, I'm gone because I will never be tethered to a place that disrespects me. There is nobody's vision that is so big that I have to keep saying yes to a place God said no to. Okay, I'm going to talk about workplaces next year in a series called Made for Mondays. called my podcast. But we're going to talk about a series next year, Made for Mondays. My workplace is a place of worship. And the moment the vision of that workplace does not coincide with what God is calling me to do, I have to say no because God said no. So one and a half times your income for three months. I want you to have an emergency fund set. I want you to snowball your debt. I told you 50, 20, 20, 10. So debt snowball. I wanted to make sure I explained this. Thanks for those of you who asked about it last week. I want you to take small mountains of debt. So a little snowball. When we get a snowball, um, there's not a lot of snow I've seen in California, but I grew up in a place where we had a bunch of snow. And so what we did was you get a small little piece of, a small little snowball, and the way that you make the snowball bigger is you keep adding snow to it. So I want you to take in your mind, so I want you to think about, like, what is the smallest amount of debt that you have in your life? That's the snowball. And then I want you to pay that off. And rejoice, you pay that off. Then I want you to take all the money you did. So if you paid $100 a month and you put all your money towards that to be $500 on that, you see that your budget can handle $500 a month extra on that, right? You pay that one piece of debt off. Then you take all that money plus whatever you were paying here and put it to the next thing. And you snowball it. Then you see that you paid $1,000 a month on this and got that paid off in six months. And then you pay the next thing. And then now you've got a big mountain you've created. We talked about momentum. Um, what am I doing with this moment? And now you've got a movement to pay your debt off with this massive snowball because you see the freedom of your finances. God didn't save us to be in bondage. He saved us to be free. That's a debt snowball, so I want you to consider snowballing your debt to pay that debt off. Lastly, I want you to consider saving and investing. Now, I have no one to recommend for that. I want you to do that on yourself, but that's where also you pray for understanding. God, give me the face of the person that will not manipulate my finances. I'm gonna say it again. God, show me where I can invest my money. We pray about everything else. God, show me where I got to wear today. God, show me where I need to eat today. God, are they supposed to be my friend? No, I want you to have some serious words. God, show me the face of a financial advisor who will not take advantage of me. God, show me the organization that I can give my money to that's going to invest it well. We pray for everything else. And we want money at the last second. No, God, show me the job I need to work at that won't release me when they get uncomfortable. I wish I had somebody in here. God, show me the job. I want your faith to be so trusting in God that you say, God, give me self-control. You understanding? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I hope this helped you today. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Ask God one question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me?